Blog Talk Radio. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. 
Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at one 800 720-1134. Remember, that's StrombergsChickens.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We have a great show lined up for you today. We have uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. He'll be joining us shortly to talk all about Bumblefoot. It is a topic we've talked uh, about in the past uh, occasionally, and uh, it's not a terribly long or uh, uh, sophisticated or in-depth topic, but uh, we do need to cover it. told me this morning on the phone that he has had several calls very recently about Bumblefoot and uh, what it is and how to deal with it, what not to do. So um, he'll be joining us a little bit uh, regarding uh, that topic. So we want to make sure you have your chicken whisperer notebooks uh, and pencils all ready to take some notes that you can have and refer back to. The uh, winter issue uh, is just about completed. We're waiting on one uh, assignment to, to come in. Really, it's uh, the contest uh, assignment, if you will, and we're waiting to get all the uh, high-res uh, pictures of the contest item and, and uh, descriptions and, and retail value and things like that for our contest that we'll have in the winter issue. <clears throat> but we've got, a, uh, I think, another great issue for all of our subscribers, uh, again, for the winter months. I know that uh, Dr. Petiski is doing one on uh, backyard avian influenza. Um, let's see, uh, Dr. McRae is doing... Uh, base, biosecurity basics and strategies. Richard Frudenberger is doing one on uh, uh, keeping the uh, coop, um, I guess, uh, now you want to call it warm over the winter or keep your flock comfortable over the wintertime without using heat. 
uh, heat sources. <clears throat> We've got Dr. Nancy Jefferson, um, and she's going to be do. She did an article on a winter nutrition. We need to change anything up uh, regarding that. We've got a review on the uh, the hen light, which is a light for uh, for really it's um, really probably based more on pasture raised poultry, <clears throat> but um, uh, layers and whatnot. But it's it's, uh, it's something that the backyarder may consider purchasing based because of the entry level uh, retail price on, on that one. So uh, let's see, anything else we got going down the pipe? Anyway, I think it's going to be a great issue. Uh, I suspect that by the end of, the end of this week, everything will be put together. It will go off to the printers. So maybe by the end of next week, uh, you might see it digitally if you subscribe to the digital edition. And then maybe within the 10 weeks, 10 weeks, 10 days to 14 days after that, you'll receive it in your mailbox if you're a subscriber to the print edition. And if you just subscribe either way, we thank you for uh, doing that. You're a member of uh, a group that people, several thousands of people uh, that want science-based, fact-based study and study-based information regarding the care of their backyard flock. These are information from blogs or forums because you never know what you're going to get from those places. And we thank you for your subscription. I want to say, uh, since it's been, I guess, since about last Wednesday since we did a broadcast, I want to say... Uh, uh, thank you to all the uh, veterans and folks that are currently serving. We thank you, uh, Veterans Day. Uh, we thank you for uh, for all of your service to this great country and also want to really, I guess, uh, send our condolences to everybody over in uh, France right now uh, due to that tragic uh, terroristic attack, um, terrorist attack that happened over there that kind of shocked everybody. So we're standing tall with uh uh, France and uh, lifting them up, and uh, hopefully we're doing everything on our end to uh, help them catch all the people that did it and uh, to help them, um, <clears throat> I guess, uh, get a little payback, get a little revenge, or uh, hunt down and track down and eliminate the people that are uh, that are doing this. So, uh, but our hearts go out to the folks over there. We do have listeners from all over the world, uh, and definitely people from all over the world that listen to the podcast and uh, see our um, Facebook page so and subscribe to the digital edition of the magazine. So uh, yeah, our hearts go out to, to them. So, uh, But, yeah, we thank you for uh, tuning in today. I hopefully I'll have some, some really fresh material again uh, this week, like we always try to do uh, with some of our sponsors. We've been, we started that this fall, and you know as well as I, a couple of times a year we try to get our sponsors on and tell us about what's new, what's uh, what's coming down the pipe, if you will, uh, regarding new products, new inventions. And uh, so we'll hopefully have some of that this week as well. And this Thursday, um, Dr. McCray won't be here, but she may be able to come in tomorrow or Wednesday. So I'll be contacting her to see if she can come on board uh, one of the two days this week. But I know she won't be on this Thursday. Uh, she's got some, some, I forget what she's got. She told us last time she was on here a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we may have her on tomorrow or Wednesday. So I'll keep you abreast of all that and who our guest is going to be each day over on our over on our Facebook page. But today we've got Peter Brown, also known as the uh, Chicken Doctor, and I'm watching the uh, switchboard now. He should be coming on here very shortly. Uh, so until he pops in on the switchboard, I'll tell you about a contest we got going on right now over at Chicken Whisperer. Facebook page. Uh, it's going to run through Friday, and um, it's very simple to enter. There's basically two things you need to do. One, uh, <coughs> pardon me, like and share the post that we have on our Facebook page. Just hit like, 
and then hit share. And then if you'll click on the link that is provided there under number two, uh, that'll take you over to the uh, free digital subscription page. And you can subscribe to Chicken Whisper Magazine, the digital edition, and you'll get that in your email box four times every year with some awesome information. It is absolutely free. Whenever we'll asked you to, oh, your free issue is, you're free, it's, it's done, it's not free anymore. Uh, your free time ended. Or uh, no, you don't get the first issue free, and then we try to get you to buy the rest. No, but it is free. It always will be free. Uh, the digital edition, that is, and that's because we are so adamant about getting the right information out there into your hands. Um, so you don't have to rely on the blogs and forums out there. And uh, so, and then once you do that, you are done. And we'll be randomly choosing a winner this Friday. And what is the prize? Yeah, I knew you'd ask. An awesome chicken fountain watering system. Any size that your heart desires. Uh, if you have a huge flock, you can get the mega unit. If you have a smaller flock, you can get the the uh, basic unit, but a free chicken fountain watering system from our friends over at chickenfountain.com. And we'll be giving that away. Actually, we'll announce the winner this Friday at noon, actually. So you want to make sure you tune in for that. And make sure you enter. That's over at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer. Giving away more prizes than anybody else on the planet. Always have, always will. All right, let's head over to the phone lines. we got Peter Brown that's called in. Already told you today's topic is going to be all about Bumblefoot, so let's give him a big chicken whisper. Welcome. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. I know it's a, a, a good topic. You said you've gotten some, some calls recently about it. We have covered it in the past. It's not too in-depth, but it is a good review. And uh, with people and their schedules, they may not have heard any of the past uh, podcasts on this topic, so we'll revisit it again. And and you can straighten us out so people got their pens and paper ready to get some information all about Bumblefoot, what it is, how it occurs, um, you know, how we need to look for it, and then really what to do if we find it. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, my friend. Yes. Um, we have talked about it numerous times, I believe, over the course of the years. Yeah. Um, it's always a good topic to come back to uh, and remind people you know just just what the problem uh, really is a, a lot of misinformation out there um i know you, you speak about that often but um um what a lot of people don't understand is that um number one they don't watch their flock like they say they do um i know that probably might rub a few people the wrong way but um you know we've often talked about you know the more you observe your birds the more you learn about your birds the birds will always tell you what's going on um you know, the fact that uh, uh, the birds uh, today may be walking across the yard, tail down a little bit, that's your first sign that something's wrong. Uh, doesn't mean it's bumblefoot, but something's wrong somewhere along the line. They're not like you and I and, and other people who uh, uh, have the opportunity to call in sick for the day. The, they don't do that. When they show up with a problem, um, that's the time to get on it. And it's, to, it's really to be observant, and I, I learned that a long time ago from uh, – a good veterinary friend of mine, Dr. Jim Cecil, who was a hog veterinarian and worked with him lots of times, and and um, he always told me pay attention to them and they'll they'll tell you what's going on, whether it's a it's a horse, a chicken, a dog, a human, or whatever. So people have a tendency not to uh, pay that much attention in the hustle bustle of life. Uh, everybody runs around doing what they can. Most people are overwhelmed between a job, uh, animals, and uh, some sort of home life. Uh, so. Uh, 
the, the more you observe your birds, um, the more you pick your birds up. And uh, uh, I think people should do it at least once a month, pick a bird, all your birds up. Uh, doesn't that mean you have to do them all in one day, but over the course of the month you should be picking them up, checking them out, looking at their feet, and so on and so forth. Uh, tell you a lot about them. Uh, we've run into a number of problems that, that people didn't realize they had here recently, uh, intestinal uh, uh, canker, uh, you know, which is uh, basically the same as mouth canker, but it, it works its way down in, in the intestinal tract. We've, we've come across several cases of that uh, recently as well. And the more that uh, people observe their birds, the quicker you jump on these problems uh, as they occur, the easier they are in most cases, uh, if they are curable, to, to get them fixed up and uh, get the bird on the road to recovery. So that's what this is kind of all about today, kind of a reminder uh, of what you should do uh, and then basically what you can do uh, to uh, uh, take care of the, this problem, how it comes about. Um, but basically, uh, what is bumblefoot? Bumblefoot really is a, uh, an infection uh, with a, uh, a bacteria, uh, there are generally four, and there may be others, uh, but over my, the course of my career, there are four that that I have actually uh, uh, had plated out so that we we knew what was going on and, and were able to, in those particular cases, treat it appropriately. But uh, basically, it's a bacterial infection uh, of the foot pad. That's where it starts. It can come from a number of things. It doesn't have to be... Uh, you know, a direct, uh, open, giant, bleeding wound. Uh, it can be a simple thing uh, as much as a scrape that exposes the uh, uh, the dermis to a bacteria that's aggressive and uh, it sets up shop and, and invades the tissue uh, and makes its way in, inside the, uh, uh, the warm uh, tissues of the foot where it likes to grow and then grows, starts to grow out of control. Most people don't know it, that a bird has any kind of problem, uh, until it's almost too late or until it's the, to the point where uh, tremendous uh, uh, things have to be done, such as surgery or, or whatever, uh, or uh, very, very long courses of uh, foot soaking, antibiotic therapy, uh, uh, cleaning out the, uh, uh, the area of the foot pad and, and so on. Uh, the, the, one of the big problems that you have with this is that uh, it can become systemic very quickly. And many, many times by the time people have come to me, uh, this has worked its way uh, to the bone. And uh, once it gets to that point, the uh, uh, chances of recovering uh, are very close to none. Um, and sometimes we're able to uh, arrest it uh, but can't get all of the swelling to go away. Um, and uh, all kinds of, of numerous problems that abound with this particular type of disease. Uh, and I realize it's difficult to see. It's, it is on the bottom side of the foot, and it can fester there for, for quite a while. But for the bacteria that I've seen, uh, Staphylococcus aureus, very aggressive. E. coli can be very aggressive. Uh, Cornibacterium, not so much. Uh, we don't see it uh, quite as often. And Pseudomonas, very aggressive. Uh, those four uh, are the four that I know of uh, off the top of my head uh, that I had had evidence of over the years that were involved in, in uh, uh, bumblefoot infections. Sometimes they're mixed. Sometimes you have more than one, uh, and, you know, that's certainly possible. And um, 
the amount of time from the time of, of uh, the invasion of these to to the uh, to, to where it starts to really cause some problems uh, can be varied, but generally speaking, you're looking at uh, somewhere between seven and ten days uh, to the point where you might see it um, in a bird limping or swelling. That really just depends on the aggressiveness of the of the bacteria and how long it's been going on. Um, so when you're picking up your birds and you're examining their feet, you're looking for anything out of the normal with their feet. Uh, this would be swelling of the of the joints of the toes, swelling of the toes itself, uh, swelling of the of the foot pad, uh, swelling of the the uh, the, uh, the joint above the foot pad, up into the leg. In severe cases, I've seen it where the entire leg is is swollen to a great degree, all the way up to the hock joint, um, and you know, you can dilly-dally around with it, um, and you can, um, you know, uh, look at it and think that it's something else. But uh, some of the telltale signs of, of looking at this will be when you uh, uh, observe the bottom of the foot. Uh, the uh, point of entry usually has a black uh, scab uh, growing over the top of it, and many times you'll remove the scab uh, and think you've got it, but you really haven't because it, it is... Uh, uh, penetrated the foot pad and is really on the inside of that. Um, the foot can become red. Um, it can become dark. Uh, all kinds of things. Swollen uh, from just a little bit of swelling that uh, in the beginning to some that are uh, uh, some that I have seen and, and actually have photos of uh, are about the size of a golf ball. And the bird is limping and kind of dragging along like a ball and chain type thing. And when it gets to that point, it becomes extremely hard uh, to uh, get rid of. Um, generally, uh, once the uh, tissue of the foot becomes hard as a rock, um, most antibiotics are not going to take care of that. You can uh, use antibiotics to help bring down some of the swelling, but generally uh, it never goes away with just antibiotics at, at that point. Um, and then you know, then it becomes a thing, do you get it down as far as you can and, and leave it? and Or do you, you know, seek out uh, professional medical help uh, and uh, perform surgery? Um, I, I personally never recommend people do their own surgical uh, procedures. Uh, I know that um, you can go online and you can find, you know, people that have been successful doing it. But, they, you know, there are a lot of blood vessels in there, a lot of tendons, a lot of nerves, and... Uh, when you start just poking around in there, um, you may do more damage uh, than you're going to do good. And not only that, once you reopen it up into a, a giant uh, wound, uh, keeping it clean uh, and keeping it from being reinfected uh, uh, becomes quite the challenge. So those those things, uh, uh, you know, kind of speak for themselves. They're pretty, you know, that's pretty obvious, but uh, uh, most people don't recognize it in, until it is uh, a huge problem. Um, so how, how do they get this? Uh, this is uh, not something that generally is going to spread bird to bird like wildfire. Uh, this is usually an individual bird who has uh, picked up a injury to the foot pad, the toes, or the top of the foot in some way, shape, or form uh, that has gone unnoticed by the uh, flock keeper. Uh, and uh, grows into a uh, you know, large swelling uh, that's quite infected. Um, 
making it much more difficult uh, for the the bird to uh, to walk. Um, and again, I go back and say because I think it's important. You don't have to see blood trails up and down the coop or in the in the run or uh, out and, out and about. Uh, they could have stepped on a nail. Uh, they could have stepped on a piece of glass, a sharp rock. Uh, uh, can also be come from birds who are indoors a lot and are on bedding that is from uh, a coarse pine shavings. And if the roofs are too high, they jump down, especially your bigger birds, because uh, when they hit the the, uh, uh, the floor in the coop, uh, they hit with a lot more force than some of the uh, lighter birds uh, and can actually uh, drive a splinter in the foot. It uh, doesn't have to stay in there. All it has to do is make that little hole, and the bird walks around and, and manure inside the coop or outside the coop. Uh, whether it's in a run or not really doesn't matter. Uh, I've seen a lot of people posting lately uh, on Facebook and other places uh, in relation to you know, all of the rains that have come to different areas of the country uh, all at once. Uh, you know, How do you keep the uh, runs dry um, and so on and so forth. So, you know, uh, when you have this kind of moisture and you add a little bit of heat to it, um, these uh, bacteria uh, thrive. And um, so it just makes it harder to, to control something like this. But that's basically uh, the way it's going to uh, uh, go down. It's really not something that's going to spread, uh, you know, bird to bird uh, very easily. And uh, uh, if you have more than one bird, uh, that has this problem, you need to look for the source of this. Uh, a, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. I, I uh, had dealt with uh, one uh, earlier in the year where uh, in their run they had put some, uh, some wire uh, down in the ground uh, to uh, keep out uh, predators, uh, which is a good thing. But... Um, if my memory serves me correctly, I think they used sand, um, and some of the birds were digging all the way down through the sand right to the wire, and um, uh, while the wire itself, for the most part, is, is smooth, there are areas of the wire where it's welded, where there are little pieces of sharp metal. Um, anybody's put up any fencing with wire, you, you'll know that. Uh, and uh, they've just nicked their foot. Nobody ever recognized it until it became a, a monumental problem. So uh, they can get it anywhere, a piece of glass out, especially if the bird's free range. God only knows what they get into, uh, especially if they have a, a very large uh, area where they're you know, out of your sight for a good portion of the day or whatever. Um, old pieces of metal that have been uh, either buried, uh, uh, sites where trash has been burned uh, over the years, uh, for those that might live out in the country and, and may burn their own trash, uh, you know, old cans, uh, old bottles that are broken, uh, sharp rocks uh, have been known to do it, uh, roosts that are um, uh, too uh, sharp in themselves um, and allowed to get to the point where they're splintery, uh, that can also uh, can, can do it at the same time. It really doesn't take much. This is similar to... Uh, kind of like skin in your knee when you're a kid, and uh, it didn't really bleed, but it, it, it burned like crazy. Well, at that point, the, uh, the protective part of the skin has been breached, and any uh, bacteria that uh, was available at that point in time uh, may make its way into your body just as well as it would make its way into uh, you know, the body of, of your, your chicken. So 
looking at it from from that standpoint, uh, you need to you know do the due diligence on it and check out your premise and find out uh, where it's coming from. Uh, I also have uh, uh, been in contact with an individual who got in contact with me uh, that has uh, quite a few birds that have the problem, and um, uh, this particular individual has uh, uh, birds with it and um, multiples, uh, in other words, both feet. So they've got a real huge problem, and I don't understand why they haven't uh, figured out where it's coming from. But, uh, again, some of those birds are uh, to the point where they can hardly walk. So um, this is highly preventable. Um, it is not a disease like some of the other things we see, pox, uh, Newcastle, bronchitis, mycoplasma, uh, this is basically an individual bird uh, situation uh, that technically doesn't have to be, but it does happen. Um, you know, we've had birds, uh, well, on this premise here, they're here about four years now, uh, but they're um, uh, 14, 15 years old, the majority of them, uh, and uh, we've never had a case of, of, of bumblefoot. And uh, uh you know, we have places where there's, you know, exposed wire, but we've uh, taken the edges of those wires and taken precautions to uh, cover them up so they're not exposed. Uh, doesn't mean it can't happen here either, but the point is that uh, if you take away all of the uh, opportunity for it, then you won't be saddled with this problem because it is a problem. It's painful for the bird, uh, and it is painful uh, for the bird when you, uh, you know, without any anesthetic, try to cut it out of their foot or anything else. Um, even if you're using a uh, uh, some form of uh, topical uh, uh, deadening agent, uh, but uh, so that's that's part of the problem uh, as well. Uh, not paying attention to the premise that you have the birds running around on. Uh, this is a pretty simple disease. Uh, again, uh, uh, one that you uh, should be able to uh, control uh, and hopefully not have to deal with it, uh, as far as that's concerned. Andy, did you want to take your uh, break for your sponsorships, and then we go into the the treatment part of it? Yeah, we can do that. I also wanted to share uh, another issue that's come really in the last few years, and it's we talk about it in all of our workshops uh, about uh, some of the negatives about using sand as bedding in the coop, and an increased uh, risk of bumblefoot uh, can come about from using sand as bedding in the coop, on the coop floor, for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, a lot of coops have very high roost. And, and number one, ask any poultry expert out there, you want something soft and absorbent for coop bedding. Um, and so sand is another soft or absorbent. And then you have some high roost, and when they, they jump down off that roost, what are they landing on? They're laying, landing on all these tiny little sharp rocks, i.e. sand. And, and just once may not do anything, but daily, time and time and time and time and time again, um, go ahead and slap your hand down on sand. Uh, it doesn't feel good, and, and rub your hand in sand. It doesn't feel good. It's, when you do it every day, I guarantee you it's going to leave an abrasion, which then over time may create that open wound, which then can get bacteria in it. Also, if you think about it, the last thing your birds are standing on before they jump up to the roost is sand. They're standing in sand. They jump up to the roost. When they grab that roost, here's an 8- to 10-pound bird. They're grabbing that roost as tight as they can with all their might so they don't fall off, and then their, their, their feet are twisting on that with sand on their feet. 
So I challenge any of you to go grab a handful of sand. I don't care what kind of sand it is. Beach sand, play sand, construction sand, it doesn't matter. And then grab a tree limb and twist your hand on it real tight, as tight as you can, every single day, and see what happens. Um, so so that's, that's an issue for those of you who are using sand as bedding in your poop. Number one, we want something soft and absorbent. But, hey, look, you know, we're not here to change your mind. If you're doing something and it works for you, great, keep doing it. But this is something for you to look out for if you've got bumblefoot uh, occurring that uh, and maybe the bottom line is the sand that you're using as bedding in your poop, both when they jump off the roost, which could be very hot, onto the sand, or especially when they jump up to the roost every single day uh, and they have sand, residual sand, from standing in the poop because that's the last place they're standing before they jump to the roost, and then grabbing it tight, twisting it, and I challenge you to do it outside every single day and see what happens and how your hands are uh, after after a few days or a few weeks. So I wanted to add that, too, because that's something that we do teach in our um, uh, workshops when we're traveling uh, the country. Folks, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply, and uh, we're talking all about Bumblefoot, and there'll be more uh, treatment plans here when we return. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency. Technology you can trust. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. 
Order your Hensaver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest organic blends for your backyard friends today. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. How would you like a punch in the beak? Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Our guest today, of course, is Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Dot com. Check them out over there. If they don't have it, you don't need it. And uh, we're talking about Bumblefoot today, and uh, we're going to get into some of the issues uh, and, and treatments regarding uh, Bumblefoot. Uh, Peter, uh, turn it back over to you, my friend. Okay. Um, so, so as far as um, you know, the spreading of it is concerned, we've we've uh, we've gone through it, but just to recap real real quick, uh, it's really not going to spread bird to bird um, unless the um, uh, well, it really won't spread bird to bird at all, but uh, from my perspective, I've never seen that. But <clears throat> the, if you don't take care of the source of the problem, uh, you will end up with you know more and more birds. Um, as far as the bedding is concerned, um, uh, you'll, you'll get arguments all sides of, of, of what you said prior to the, uh, the break. Uh, but I, I like to err on the side of caution myself, so I, I like something soft. Uh, we did that here. We changed away from... Uh, I think it was Track Supply. We were getting some uh, shavings there, just weren't happy with them, and found another um, 
company that had a much softer, much uh, finer uh, shaving for us, and uh, you know something that we could uh, uh, feel comfortable with and have our birds on it and feel that you know that it wasn't going to be part of a problem. So each to his own. Um, like I said before, uh, and I've said many, many times on the show, you know, you can run out in front of a bus every day on your way to work until you don't realize the last day that you do that, that there's a stone in the road and you trip on the stone and the bus runs you over. Uh, and that kind of happens with chickens. Um, almost every time somebody contacts me uh, about a situation, uh, they've either never had it before or uh, they never saw it coming. But yet, if you start to question uh, an individual about, you know, what they've been doing, what they do, uh, and everything else, it's it's been right there. They just don't see it. So um, I don't fight that battle. Uh, I lay it out for people uh, just like you do in your, your workshop. You tell them what they shouldn't do if they want to go and do it, and, then, you know, and they're happy with that. Uh, that's fine. And I will tell you, in some cases, not all, it does boil down to dollars and cents for people. Um, yeah. People want to treat it treat it like it's a cat litter box, and um, you know there are other there are other things that 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 go on with the uh, the bedding as well. Uh, for instance, uh, maintaining uh, coccidiosis control within a flock uh, uh, can be uh, uh, negated by the use of of, uh, of sand because it won't live very well in that. And uh, while it may be okay for your flock if you're selling birds to somebody else. Uh, it may be an issue. Uh, the birds aren't you know, properly immunized uh, any longer because they don't have access to their own droppings because that's what keeps them going. So when the dropping gets lost in the sand, uh, so there, you know, there's pros and cons to all of it. I've listened to a whole lot of it, and uh, for the most part these days on those kinds of things, I just keep walk right on by and uh, don't have much comment to say about it because at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to have to deal with whatever the ramifications may be, uh, whatever they are, of using a particular type of bedding. But I know for ourselves here, uh, and I know I've said it before on the show, we, we, we had to move away from what was available locally and go somewhere else, which is uh, more inconvenient for us but better for the birds overall. And that's that's what, for me, that's what it is at the end of the day. So, anyway, uh, treating it uh the best thing I can tell you here is to be proactive, uh, handle the birds as often as you can. Uh, the more often you handle the birds, uh, you know, the, the easier it is and the quicker it is to find a problem and then get on it. Um, you know, you can uh, very quickly examine a bird. Um, uh, let me just step back here one second, because I, I have to say this. This thing is eating away at me here as I'm talking about this thing here. I had somebody contact me here a couple, three, four weeks ago, and they had uh, gone over to Ohio and bought some birds. And um, how many times have we gone on the show and I said, look, you know, do your, do your due diligence, do your drive-by, and, you know, if the place, you know, isn't up to snuff, keep moving. You're not obligated to buy anything, especially from a place that isn't being – because usually – the, the way the place is being kept is the way the birds are being kept. And um, uh, so the, the person goes and stops anyway and goes into this place, and none of the birds have any food or water in the pens. And the food and water is outside the pens. Um, that, to me, is a tip-off. I don't care. The, other, the person that said that um, they had just moved the birds into that pen. Well, if you just move the birds into that pen, 
why wouldn't you put the water in first and the feed? That's what I would have done. But, hey, that's just me, right? So you decide that you're going to buy a bunch of these birds, and you claim that you looked them all over and everything else, and it was, they, you know, they were mite-free, and they were just you know, hunky-dory. And then you got them home, and as you were unloading them, the mites were crawling all up and down your arms. Now, you know, tell that story to somebody else. I mean, you know, how, how dumb can you be? You know, I'm not buying that story at all. But now, now the claim is that the birds won't eat, they won't drink, uh, they've given up uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, um, you know, from what I believe to be a crazy person. You know, why would you? Why would you even begin to? You know yourself. If a bird has mites that are bad enough for them to crawl <laughs> up and down your arm, and 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 by the person's own words, completely cover my hand. Now, that's a bold statement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, doing your due diligence is what's important. And if you're out and about in your yard and, and you, you know, if you've got the time, you should make the time. Pick up a few birds, handle them. If they've got mites, you can take care of it. You can look at their feet. You can, you know, you can look at the overall uh, structure of the bird. How many times have people said to me and other people, oh, I went out and I picked up Molly today, and she looked so good, but when I picked her up, she was just skin and bone. I didn't realize it, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so this is how you fix these things before they get rocking and rolling. Because once they get out of control, the cost of fixing them, not only to mortality of, of, of valuable birds, uh, but the cost of trying to fix all of that. And, um, you know, I know this had nothing to do basically with that, but I just had to say that because it's been bugging me why somebody would do that. Well, the same thing here. If they're your birds, you need to take care of them. I guess that's the bottom line. So. <laughs> When you're treating them with antibiotics, um, we look at a lot of different antibiotics. Again, the key to this is the, the uh, quicker you find it and treat it, the better off it's going to be. Um, lincomycin uh, injectable, either the 50 or 100 milligram, uh, seems to work. Um, uh, doxycycline, um, in the, uh, either the uh, 50 or 100 milligram. Uh, amoxicillin uh, will work. Uh, I don't like it as much as some of the others, but if that's all you can get your hands on, uh, that's fine. Uh, Cephalexin, which is uh, Keflex, uh, in my opinion, is probably the number one product of choice, uh, if they were mine, uh, that I would um, give for this particular uh, situation. It is a very good, what we call soft tissue uh, antibiotic. It's used uh, very frequently in dogs and cats for uh, skin issues. So it gets out to the periphery, it gets out to the margins where you want it to be. You want something. You don't want to use a tetracycline that never really migrates out of the respiratory system or the gut. You want something that's going to move all the way out to the edges, uh, like uh, trying to water a 100-foot-tall tree with a gallon of water. You don't want that kind of antibiotic. You want one that when you use that gallon of water on a 100-foot tree, it takes a rocket right to the top and all the way out to the roots. That's what you want. And... Um, uh, that doesn't mean there aren't other antibiotics around. These are my experiences uh, over the years with what I feel has uh, worked and worked very well. But I do believe uh, that the cephalexin is, uh, is, is uh, in my opinion, the, the choice uh, for this. Again, the quicker you uh, uh, find this problem, uh, the easier it will be to resolve. The longer the problem goes and when the foot is uh, uh, as solid as a rock, uh, you're going to have tremendous issues getting that uh, fixed up. And, and I dare say, short of surgery, 
uh, you probably will never get that fixed. Uh, as it migrates into the bone, uh, that makes the situation even worse. Um, that swelling seems to, to never go away. I, I've had uh, not very good success. Uh, when I say me, the, the people that are dealing with it, uh, now I don't know if they're always giving the antibiotics when they're supposed to and, and that kind of thing, but um, most of these treatments are minimum, minimum of 14 days, a minimum. And as a rule of thumb, I usually like to go for another five days after the symptoms are gone. So you could be looking at 20 days, 21 days. So it's it's extremely important to catch it early uh, and get it under control uh, and be done with it. Um, you know, now is there a human um, in, involvement here um, or a health hazard to humans? Uh, yeah, possibly from the uh, uh, what we call the exudate or the pus, whatever you want to call it, that, that you may or may not get out of the foot uh, loaded with bacteria. I would suggest if you're going to do that and you're going to soak the foot and so on, uh, you know, that you um, uh, use the appropriate attire, some uh, uh, good um, surgical-type gloves uh, that are not going to uh, fall apart on your hand uh, while you're doing it. Uh, and dispose of them properly and wash your hands uh, uh, appropriately, I think, w would be fine. But uh, prevention is going to be your best bet um, on, on this thing. Uh, looking around your yard for the shop objects, nails, screws, nuts, bolts, uh, um, you know, an old window pane that broke somewhere and, and nobody bothered to pick up all the pieces. I thought they had them all picked up. Uh, uh, sharp pieces of, of metal, uh, sharp stones. I had a client years ago who lived in an area where it was very rocky, and um, the uh, birds were actually going out and scraping their feet on these rocks, believe it or not. <clears throat> if you have uh, concrete floors in your uh, coop, they could be a problem. Um, any of these things. Uh, the, the bigger the bird, generally, the, the tougher the problem, because they're, when they jump down onto something that's sharp, uh, it's going to be a problem. And look at those. Know for a yeah, fact, look at those. Go ahead. I was going to say, look at those roosts, too. You want to inspect those roosts very often, make sure there's those cracks, splinters, frays, mm -hmm. gaps, crevices, anything like that on, on the roost always. Yeah, we use, um, we use plastic here, and it works very well. And it's up now almost four years, and uh, there's, you know, there's no splintering of it. It looks almost as good as the day we put it up. And you can take it down and wash it and put it right back up, uh, you know, there's no problem with it whatsoever. Uh, we're very happy with with the uh, with the plastic. It's about it's almost four inches wide, so they can they can sit on it. They really don't have to grasp it with their toes or anything like that. And um, um, you know, and the, another thing that comes to mind too uh, before we wrap this thing up is that uh, mm -hmm. you know managing the litter is important because. Um, uh, there is a thing as uh, uh, such a thing called uh, footpad necrosis, which is caused by birds who are um, constantly exposed to uh, uh, wet litter. Okay, so if your litter is a little bit wet, you could have this problem as well without having a problem with uh, sharp objects. So you need to be diligent. You need to manage things uh, appropriately. Um, we talk about litter management, and we talk about coccidiosis control. If you're not managing your litter, 
Um, and I have said it now, and I'll say it again because uh, the, the evidence is there. Coccidiosis always has been, always will be a management problem. It's how well you manage the, the, uh, the birds on the litter that they're on and how you manage your coccidiosis control program and, and what your understanding of coccidiosis is. Um, I still see loads and loads of people online uh, talking like they know something about coccidiosis when they haven't got a clue. And the um, best thing you can do is arm yourself with the best information and go forward. And I'll go back and say, we do nothing for our birds here, nothing. There's no medication goes into these birds whatsoever unless it's necessary. <clears throat> They've been here four years and haven't needed it. And they didn't need it where they were before. <clears throat> yep. So, I'll remind, just how you I'll do remind it. everybody. I'll remind everybody, too, I think, the, uh, I think the very, 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 very first issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine, uh, I guess it would be a couple of years ago this spring, there's a good article on coccidiosis by um, Dr. Uh, Patisky Dr. out Patisky. from UC Davis. Yep. Yeah, and uh, they can uh, read that for absolutely free. Just go to chickenwhisperermagazine.com and click on issues and scroll down to our very first one, spring issue 2000. Well, I guess that would be 13. And um, take a look at it and uh, and get educated on that from uh, from uh, from him. So, um, yeah, I might go back and listen to an episode that we've done. We've done plenty of them on coccidiosis. And, uh, oh, yeah. And uh, researched that uh, on the Google. So, well, Peter, thanks for coming on. Uh, always good to retouch on this topic because it does happen to a lot of folks, and there's many various reasons. It does happen we talked about today, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about it more in, uh, in the future, and we appreciate you coming on as always. My pleasure. Yep, thank you. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. <clears throat> you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Come back. Come back. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, uh, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds, another great episode uh, uh, for the record books, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in, and uh, follow us on Facebook there, become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Chicken Whisperer, because I'll be posting uh, all of our guests this week, and when uh, Dr. McRae will be on uh, this week, whether it be tomorrow or on Wednesday, and uh, see maybe what sponsor we have to uh, come on the air this week and tell us about new products, future products, or current products, and, and everything else about their products.
products that they offer for all of you great folks that keep backyard poultry. So, again, thank you very much for tuning in today. God bless everybody. Aww.